the Force? Now, the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. For my ally is the Force. And the powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. You, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 448, Top 5 Spiritual Moments. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Yoda to my Qui-Gon Jinn, we've got Carl LeClaire. Well, I guess I'm the student now, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Yoda. Yoda. (laughs) I still want that deleted scene. I, I'm still bummed that Liam Neeson wasn't able to to make it happen. Yeah, me too, me too. But at least we got it in the Clone Wars. Um, That's true, so. and, and and expounded upon too in the Clone Wars. Yeah, so, so it's really can't really can't really complain about that. No, no. Uh, so we were just talking like before we even hit the record button. How in you know a decade of podcasting, considering the types of things we like to talk. Talk about in Star Wars. It's wild that we haven't done a top five spiritual moments yet because Star Wars is dripping with with spirituality in in its own right. And uh, we're excited to talk about some of our favorite moments. And as always with a Wampus Lair top five, we've got some honorable mentions to kick things off because that's just who we are. Um, Indeed. (laughs) uh, Jason, before we get into our list, though, we had a uh, poll from last last episode uh, which, by the way, super awesome having Caroline with us last week to talk about caves and the mythology of caves in Star Wars. Um, really appreciated all the positive feedback we got to that. So thank you to everyone who checked that out. And of course, our poll is very indicative of the topic from last week. And we did another round of Would You Rather? And Would You Rather Confront Your Dark Side in the Dark Side Cave of Dagobah or the Mirror Cave of Octo? And Jason, what did Larians have to say about this particular uh, journey into the dark? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, I'm a little surprised at how close it was. Um, we had 40 votes for Dagobah and 31 for Octo. So I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that it was a pretty close matchup. Uh, and... 
Yeah. So uh, where did you fall, Carl? I, I think I have a suspicion, but um, which one would you rather? Um, I actually would rather Octo. And the reason for this actually, you know, if you had asked me this before we did our episode and uh, last week, I would have definitely said Dagobah just mainly for like the sake that I love Dagobah. Um, but as we were talking about them extensively last week and I did a little bit of research behind them, uh, the connection a friend of mine made to Harry Potter's Mirror of Erezed, uh, and how the, that mirror kind of draws out your, your deepest desires and kind of the similarity of that's really what the, the mirror cave is all about on Octo. It's, it's about showing you what you think you, it's you going there to express what you think you need. And then the mirror showing you what you truly need. Um, mm-hmm. I much prefer that than, you know, Dagobah is about going in there and I mean, yes, they both have similarities for sure, but the, the clear cutness of the mirror cave on Octo is definitely more my bent. I'd rather go in there and have reflected back to me what I truly need rather than what I truly desire. Um, and that's really all the mirror cave is about. So I'm going to go with the mirror cave. I also am going to go with the Mirror Cave, but for much uh, less spiritual and self-reflective reasons, um, it's not a swamp. (laughs) It's not a swamp. (laughs) We have been over this. I don't like Dagobah in terms of like a place to go. I just – it's gross. It's nasty. I don't want to do it. Um, And so I I would dive into the dark. Uh, you know, sort of underwater rocky cave uh, of Octo just so I don't have to crawl through the muck and slime and <laughs> reptiles of of Dagobah. So, um, yeah, it, it's weird. I know it's a very, you know, maybe a bit selfish and I should probably go into the cave on Dagobah simply because of my answer, but I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather Octo. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a few folks that chose Octo actually made the comment on social media that I choose Octo just because there's no snakes. <laughs> so, which yeah. is very valid if you if you have a, a sphere of snakes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that gives us a final tally of forty for the cave on Dagobah and thirty three for the uh, Mirror Cave on Octo. So, thank you everyone so much for weighing in on that. Uh, that would you rather, and, uh, we've got a, another sort of, uh, Larian call to arms at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. So, yes, yes, indeed. Um, and just one other announcement before we dive into our spiritual moments, uh, with the book of Boba Fett, just over two weeks away as of today's recording, um, to kind of help get you excited for that, we're going to be doing a book of Boba Fett giveaway, which is simply a copy of the Book of Boba Fett poster that was given out at the Disney Plus Day. I was fortunate to be able to go to the screening of Rogue One back on Disney Plus Day with my buddy Greg and Ben. And they were giving out these little – it's probably like an 11 by 17 print of the Book of Boba Fett poster. And uh, the person that was sitting next to me left theirs in their seat. So I was like, well, I got two now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, be ch- check out our, our Instagram and our Twitter. We're going to be doing the giveaway on that as well as we're going to couple that with 
book one of the Bounty Hunter War trilogy, Mandalorian Armor. I just started reading these books. It's kind of a precursor to the book of Boba Fett. Um, already having a ton of fun reading Mandalorian armor. So we have an extra copy of that book as well that we're going to bundle with the, the book of Boba Fett posters. So uh, simply f- check out our Instagram or Twitter later this week and you'll see how how you uh, can participate in that giveaway. Exciting, exciting. I'm looking forward to book of Boba Fett coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks. It's It's almost here. I don't know why, but it's stuck up on me, Carl. <laughs> yeah, it's it, well. I, it's funny because, like, t- as of today's recording, where today's the four-year anniversary of Last Jedi, and uh, you know, it was funny this morning. Uh, Greg texted Ben and I and was just like, "Oh, it's you know, today's the four-year anniversary of of Last Jedi," and um, it, what just kind of struck me was it's also the second December in a row without a Star Wars movie release, um, right? Our last one was December of 2019 with uh, Episode Nine. And right. frankly, Jason, I, and I may be in the minority here, but I've liked not having Star Wars movies in December. I would much prefer them in May. I know they're not going to be in May. I, it seems like they're pretty, pretty set on doing December releases, which I get it, but I don't like it. <laughs> I, I just I like Star Wars in the summer. Uh, I, I don't want them at Christmas time. I've had so much fun the last two December's just enjoying Christmas because I love Christmas. So it's it's <laughs> it's like it's like mixing two things I really love, but I want to be able to love them separately. <laughs> so it's fair. That's fair. And yet we're going to do a Christmas episode um, again this year. So uh, hell yeah, we do one every year. Um, <laughs> exactly. But it's Christmas around Star Wars, which is so fun. There we go. Um, yes. Yeah. So there anyway. Without further ado, I think it's time to dive into some of our spiritual moments from Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and we we kind of had a pretty broad interpretation of, of what we considered like a spiritual moment or it could be like a teaching moment, some sort of experience, some sort of like walking out of a creed, you know, something like that. You know, there, there there's – a very broad brush that we're painting here when it comes to spiritual moments. Um, and I've kind of got a little bit of, of each of those kinds of things and more in my list. Carl, how, how did you kind of approach making this list today? Yeah, I tried to do it as, so for me, I tried to pinpoint moments that kind of have taught me a spiritual lesson. Um, so inevitably I tried to choose moments. And again, I, all of my things are from the films. I I don't have any, anything from, you know, Clone Wars or Rebels or any of the animation shows. Um, and that's not because there's no spirituality there. There certainly are. I just, my, my primary Star Wars love language, if you will, are the films. So that's just what I go to first. It's what I know the best. Um, so I tried to pick things where, characters are tapping into some level of spirituality and and that that experience has also taught me something um so that's that's kind of how i honed in on mine um so again but like you said right like these are very broad strokes i think spiritual moments in star wars can mean lots of different things and you know i think it's fair to say jason for you and i both like we are people that you know subscribe to a particular religious tradition you know religion and spirituality have always been part of our lives so that's the way i view spirituality in star wars is i kind of do have this religious lens which i'm sure a lot of folks don't have if you're not a religiously bent person you know you may think of spirituality in a little bit of a different way and therefore pick different things um that's again the beauty of art so uh 
you know, I'm excited to see what you picked and I'm excited to share what I've picked. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very excited. Uh, this is, this is cool. Um, like, like we said earlier, it's a new topic that we've never really discussed, uh, in this format before on the show. So I'm excited. Um, you want me to go first so you can sort of wrap this up? Yeah, yeah, I do want you to go first because I, 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 I always get so excited with top fives when there are things like this because it's like, I don't know what Jason's going to pick. Like I have some ideas, but I never know the specifics. So I'm always super keen on what you've got. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to start things off by heading to Star Wars Rebels uh, Ooh, for my nice. first honorable, honorable mention. And this is uh, – the Bendu teaching Kanan how to reconnect with the Force after he's been blinded. Um, I, I love this because Kanan is uh, full of fear and he's isolated himself and the Bendu has sort of been calling out to him. And so Kanan has to go out and find the Bendu and then the Bendu takes away everything that he has that you know Kanan brought with him to keep him safe um, and makes him rely only on the Force in order to utilize his other senses and to utilize the force in a way that doesn't rely on his eyes um, that, you know, he had been so reliant on in the past. So uh, I love this scene. I love the Bendu. The Bendu is a fantastic character, probably my favorite character aside from like Kanan in Rebels. So Kanan and Hera and I don't know, I have to go back and watch Rebels again to pick a favorite character, but I love the Bendu. Uh, <laughs> so you love Tom, uh, Tom Baker. I, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> they can be Kanan, Darius, Jedi Knight. So. <laughs> uh, sorry. No, say, don't be. I, uh, no, I was going to say they don't have to be mutually exclusive. But right, sometimes, no. sometimes the creative behind the the voice or the or the or the character can it can be part of the reason you love it. Absolutely, and it, that's definitely the case uh, with me and the Bendu. Uh, but I think the Bendu is a really fascinating character. Anyways, he walks this sort of middle ground of the Force. Um, but uh, the the moment of him sort of teaching um, Kanan to to reconnect to the Force in a new way um, is just a fantastic uh, moment to me. I, I almost included uh, the part, you know, the the next lesson where he he brought the balance back between Kanan and Ezra um, as well, but I, I, that's separate. And I like the, uh, I like the solo journey that Kanan went on a little bit more um, than that. So I think definitely this is my favorite. Uh, well, was high enough on my list to be on an honorable mention. There we go. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that you brought, I mean, this is the thing I, I, I always say to say to folks uh, is that like, I love how you have just a, a little bit of a better knowledge for for Clone Wars and Rebels, um, so it's it, I can always expect you to throw in something like that for, on, on one of these lists, which I always appreciate. Um, but yeah, I, that is a great moment. You know, K- Kanan is kind of at this standstill; like he doesn't know how to be a Jedi in and of himself, let alone how to be a Jedi who's training an apprentice. And here right. you have the Bendu, this totally unexpected teacher, this person who exists outside of the Jedi code if you will um to mm-hmm. kind of teach him a new way so yeah i really dig that that's that's awesome yeah what about you what's your first honorable mention carl well my first honorable mention's a big one jason <laughs> it's it's from a new hope and i it's the sacrifice of obi-wan kenobi um you know i mean this is like it's kind of a a huge moment that indicates this complete supreme trust in the force. Obi-Wan mm-hmm. 
is just basically dancing with Vader at this point. You know, it's it. This is not about overcoming him with physical might. And it's in this moment that he surrenders himself wholly and completely to the force uh, with this very deep conviction that there is something more beyond death. And he entrusts himself to whatever that may be. Um, You know, obviously for any of us who, you know, subscribe to Christianity, I mean, that's exactly what Good Friday is all about. Uh, You know, I would contend Jesus doesn't know exactly what's going to happen to him after he's crucified, but he trusts that something will come of it. Something good will come of it. Um, And this is that Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. He, He entrusts himself to the force. He entrusts himself to this thing he's only just introduced Luke to and firmly believes that it will sustain him beyond death. Now, granted, we've gotten so much ancillary stuff since 1977 about the ability to hold on to one's existence beyond life itself, right? I mean, this was something that was introduced in episode two, expounded on in episode three, and then really delved into in the Clone Wars. Um, and and while all that stuff is really cool and it's about learning this special power, I kind of love it in 1977 divorced of all that because it's really this powerful statement of faith that, you know, the the biggest fear of human existence is death. It's the greatest unknown. And here you have this character entrusting himself to something beyond death um, and fully confident that by throwing himself into that, he'll be just he'll be just fine. Um, So that is my first honorable mention. No, that's that's great. Um, I'm going to reserve comment on. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, uh, uh, yeah. What's your next honorable mention then? My next honorable mention um, is Yoda's trials on Moraband. Mm. Uh, this is also this is from the Clone Wars. So we we have that Yoda arc where Qui Gon takes him on a journey and then sends him to learn from the Force priestesses, and there is just tons of great spiritual content in all of those. But I didn't want to just like pick the Yoda arc because that's <laughs> cheating. Um, You've come so far in these ten years, Jason. Because normally you're just been I, like, I picked the whole arc. <laughs> <laughs> I never went that bad. I would never. I never selected like an hour of Star Wars. Um, That's fair. Forty minutes, maybe. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nine years ago, Jason was a lot more fluid with these things. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, but I, I picked this moment because um, you know Yoda has gone back to the home world of the Sith, and he is going through on his own. Um, and, you know, working and, and moving through all of the various, uh, roadblocks and temptations that are, are thrown at him throughout the, you know, the, the landscape and the temple, even so far as coming into contact with, um, the, the ghost of Darth Bane, um, voiced by Mark Hamill, um, which is, you know, fantastic. And and he makes it through all of it without ever igniting his lightsaber until the end where he's pulled into the, you know, the the sort of, you know, alchemic, you know, witch's brew kind of situation that Palpatine whips up. Um, but like when he's actually moving through the temple and everything, uh, he doesn't even, you know, ignite his saber. Um, it, it reminds me of the the 23rd psalm you know though i move through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil uh, for you're with me and that's yoda with the force you know he's just like eh, 
you're an illusion. Go away. So (laughs) (laughs) essentially. So um, I think it's a great, a great scene. And uh, he, he makes it through all of the trials, except for when Palpatine gets directly involved. Um, You know, so I I think that was just a fantastic journey that he went on. And I'm, I'm thinking primarily of, of the journey through the temple where he, he, you know, confronts the, the temptations of uh, Sifo-Dyas and Bane and, and all that. So in this honorable mention, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's such a good one. You know, that Clone Wars really like takes some big swings for force mythology, if you will, right from, from the Yoda arc going to Moraband. And then obviously he goes to Dagobah. Um, you got the Mortis trilogy in there, right? There's lots of big swings for force mythology. And, um, but I like how you're keen in on the fact that for Yoda, this journey, uh, isn't necessarily new to him. He's, I think it's in this arc, right? You correct me if I'm wrong, where he says essentially along the lines of confronted my dark side, I have overcome it. I have a Jedi. I am something like that. Right? Like, so, you know, these, that was, that was after his trial in the cave. against his dark side you know so yeah and like you know for yoda the reason he is a powerful being is because the force is his ally and i have more to say on that later (laughs) (laughs) nice and a powerful ally it is um anyways um well what about you what's what's your uh second honorable mention carl uh, well, we're going to stay with Yoda, but we're going to go a little earlier than Clone Wars. We're going to look at Yoda and Attack of the Clones when he hears the voice of Qui-Gon. Um, and, th- you know, this one was kind of su- this one really surprised me, Jason. So uh, when you and I like decided we were going to do this for the episode this week, I was like, oh, this is so exciting. But I was like, oh, dang, I don't actually know what I'm going to pick here. So I sat <laughs> down this morning. I made a playlist last night of, of, of music that I consider spiritual in Star Wars. Put that playlist on early this morning while I was drinking my coffee and just started writing down moments that are spiritual to me. And this was one that I was like, wait, really? And I was like, I love it. <laughs> and, and here's why I love it. So first off, it was cool in Attack of the Clones to see you know, some Jedi living quarters. And we specifically get to see Yoda's. And what's so cool about Yoda's living quarters are the only thing that seems to really be of prominence is this meditation mat, right? Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's not really a mat. It's it's an elevated mat. I don't know what you call it. Um, but, you know, it's... it's uh, 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 Comfy cushion. Yes, a meditation seat. cushion. <laughs> um, so I really enjoy this moment because... There are several little scenes with Yoda in Attack of the Clones, which, by the way, one of the best Star Wars movies of all time. Um, And in Attack of the Clones, whenever we see Yoda, there are several moments where we just see him simply meditating. Uh, And what I really appreciate about that is it, it reminds us that Yoda is constantly immersed in the cosmic force, right? Something really cool about Star Wars is you know, we've got these two notions of the force, the cosmic and the living. Uh, Qui-Gon is a huge proponent and an advocate for the living force. And Yoda seems to be more in tune with the cosmic. And and they're never in contention, right? It's never about being like cosmic versus living. They're two different uh, expressions of the same force. But so to see Yoda kind of just deep in meditation in this moment he's so immersed in the this cosmic flow of the force that he is the first person to hear the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn right Qui-Gon is yelling to Anakin right as he starts to slaughter the Tuscans but Yoda hears that ripple across space and time through the cosmic force 
this is the first entry point into the reality that the force is a path to immortality, right? Yoda is the first one to to become aware that that's possible. I mean, Qui-Gon's the first to experience it, but Yoda's the first to learn of its possibility within the living realm. So I just, I really appreciate how that's going to deepen Yoda's understanding of what the force is and what it's capable of. And the fact that he's so in tune with the cosmic force that he can even hear the voice of Qui-Gon, right? It, It just shows that I think on a, on a personal note, the thing I love about this simple little scene is the reminder of how important it is to daily practice one's spiritual life, right? Mm-hmm. Just the importance that that it takes work, it takes effort, it takes energy to immerse yourself in the flow of the force, to immerse yourself in the flow of the divine. And we see Yoda doing that here in this moment. And because of that, he's able to hear and experience very deep truths that are uttered from across space and time. Uh, so I really love this moment in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it's a great moment because not only is it, you know, obviously he hears that, you know, significant thing, you know, being able to hear Qui-Gon from beyond death. But, you know, it also shows us that Yoda is still, after almost 900 years, seeking and Mm. learning and being open to new uh, things and new ideas and new paths to move forward. So he's still trying to learn, um, which is, you know. Always a great, great thing. Yeah, good point. So, uh, I suppose it's number five, isn't it? it? Is, yeah, let's break into the, t- the, the the actual top five. All right. Well, uh, this is a small moment. It is um, it is my last Clone Wars moment here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have one more, and it is from season five, episode "The Jedi Who Knew Too Much," and it is the Jedi funeral mm-hmm. that happens. Um, the obviously in the previous episode there was a big attack on the Jedi Temple. Um, you know, many people were killed, including some Jedi. Uh, and we have we start off this particular episode, the Jedi who knew too much, with the funeral for the fallen Jedi, and we see them. You know, you know, many Jedi and and politicians there that are, you know, there to give respect and homage, and Yoda gives a eulogy, and then they they cremate. The, the Jedi bodies in order to send them off into the force and it's just sort of a really nice moment to kind of just see all of that happen to, to see sort of like this is the practice of what we do and here is how, how we send our fallen off to become one with the force one with the divine if you will and it was just it's I've always loved this scene it's just a very beautiful haunting scene and I usually will get chills watching it so um, I had to have it on my list here somewhere so yeah well as i'm as you're talking i had to pull up that track from kevin kiner jedi eulogy that you know that plays during this moment um you know because uh that's really what helps sell the emotion of it for sure and it is um so i'll just speak about it for a second from the the musical lens and it's it's a very unique way of playing the force theme right it's 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 played almost like taps you know right mm-hmm. we, we play taps at the the for fallen soldiers uh it's almost like the force theme becomes a rendition of taps you know is it is it's holding the grief of this of these fallen jedi as we impart them into the cosmic force into what you know what lies beyond for them uh so yeah that's a 
that's a great moment. I'm so happy you, you mentioned it. Um, it certainly wasn't, it's not on my list and I, I love that it's on yours. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, because I think in the spirituality of star Wars itself, you know, if, if you really believe that the force is eternal, then when people die, whether or not they can be physically immortal, there is this belief, there's this faith that, that they move on to something else, you know, yeah. um, as Yoda will tell Anakin in episode three, you know, mourn them, do not miss them, do not, you know, don't, don't miss those who have passed into the force. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and it's it's a nice moment because we we've seen you know smaller renditions of this sort of ceremony in you know Phantom Menace when Qui Gon died in yeah. Return of the Jedi when Luke burns Vader's body, um, but it was I, I always thought it was really fantastic to see it in its full like you know pomp and circumstance kind of glory um, there in the Clone Wars. So that was part of why I chose that particular version of it. Yeah. So I love it. That's awesome. Great, great choice. Thank you. Uh, what about you? What's your number five? Well, my number five, and shockingly, Jason, I've got a lot of Yoda moments here. <laughs> so um, that's why I made you Yoda today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So my number five comes from Empire Strikes Back, and I'm calling it "You Will Know," and it's kind of one of the first spiritual lessons Yoda is teaching Luke as Luke is running this obstacle course through the swamps of Dagobah. Um, much to my jealousy, Yoda Yoda imparts to him one of the deepest truths about the Force, about how it directs you when you are calm, at peace, passive. Which again, it just that draws from Taoism, one of the primary components of religiosity, if you will, that that imbues itself in Empire Strikes Back is Taoism and Zen Buddhism, and those both come from Lawrence Kasdan and Irvin Kershner, both of whom were advocates of Zen Buddhism at this point of their lives. Um, And Taoism is this, you know, it's an ancient Chinese religion slash philosophy, depending on how you want to define them, about passivity, about passivity, about letting life flow and and responding to the flow. Um, And that's kind of this beautiful spiritual lesson Yoda wants to impart on Luke. Because Luke right now, at the start of his training, he's got all these questions. He wants to know how to be more powerful. He wants to know how to defeat the bad guys. He wants to know how to protect his friends and save the galaxy. He's thinking so big picture, and Yoda has to bring him back down and say, those are the wrong questions to be asking right now. What's important is being able to be calm, at peace, and passive. And that's when you will hear the Force speaking to you, which is exactly what Qui-Gon tells Anakin in episode one. You know, I don't, I don't understand. With time and training, Annie, you will. You know, uh, when he's teaching him about the Medichlorians, you know, uh, telling him that with time and training, he'll learn to quiet his mind. Um, and part of the reason I, I love this moment as well is because of the way it came into my own life in a very huge and significant way. And I I know I've told this story before, Jason, so excuse the repetitiveness of it, but maybe new listeners haven't heard it. So several years ago, uh, geez, over a decade ago now, um, I was kind of in studies to becoming a Jesuit priest. I was living in a Jesuit community one summer out in Chicago and discerning whether or not I wanted to be a Jesuit priest. And uh, I had this kind of there was a new vocation director for our for the province of New York who came out to visit me 
and asked me some really obnoxious, annoying questions. And he was honestly just, he was obviously new to the job because he was doing it so poorly. Um, and was very, very forceful with some of his questions and they were very obnoxious and it really pissed me off and, and, and upset me. And I came out of that meeting and I went to one of the young Jesuits who was in that program with me. And I said to him, I was like, I'm just so flustered. I'm so bothered by all this. And I, I just don't know. And he said, he just put his hand on my shoulder and he goes, Carl, you'll know because you'll know when it feels right. And if it doesn't feel right now, that's telling you something. And it's okay to believe that. And I was just like, dude, you're Yoda. And he's like, what? And I was like, it's like that moment in Empire Strikes Back when he tells Luke, you will know when you're calm at peace and passive. I was like, I'm not calm. I'm not at peace. That just really upset me. It, it totally messed with my balance and my equilibrium. But that teaches me something, too. So, you know, this moment has always been special to me ever since that day, because it's just it's this really beautiful spiritual teaching that when we are discerning choices in life, especially big choices, we always know the right choice because it just feels right. Right. And there's no more tangible evidence than it just feels right. This is the right way to go. Um, and I think the biggest the biggest payoff for that in Luke's own journey is knowing that the right thing to do with his father isn't to strike him down in combat, but it's to offer him forgiveness and love, right, and compassion. Uh, so that's how that plays out for Luke is that's where he – that's where he feels most right is throwing away that lightsaber um, on the Death Star. That's what feels right. He is being calm. He is at peace in that decision. Um, he is not at peace when he's striking at him and <laughs> raining down the blows. <laughs> so I just I love this little spiritual lesson that that Yoda imparts. Yeah, it's a great lesson. And I think um, one of the ones that's overlooked uh, in terms of some of the other things that are. Uh, on Dagobah that Yoda teaches, um, including my number four. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and and this this shouldn't come as a surprise that this is going to be on this list, but it is Yoda's raising the X-wing um, and his his dissertation on the Force, as Carl likes to call it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I and. I have to thank Carl for making this, you know, uh, a moment that I, I go to, you know, on a more regular basis uh, because he, <laughs> I, I've imparted my love of uh, Jar Jar onto Carl. Uh, <laughs> Carl has imparted uh, his love of everything on Dagobah to me, <laughs> even if I will never step foot on a planet like that, if I can help it. Um, oh, Moya, that, Moya, love you. with that being said uh you know yoda you know talking to to luke about what the force is and kind of like where it is and where it resides and how it's you know all around us and moving through us and you know we can reach and then luke just he he's so frustrated and tired and that he just doesn't he doesn't take in the lesson and so Yoda has to give the demonstration, make Luke sit up and take notice. And, and he does, you know, Yoda is a small old being that, that, you know, shouldn't be able to do what he just did, you know, in lifting the X-wing out of the swamp. So expertly and precisely and setting it down in a place where it, it won't slide back into the swamp or something like that. You know, it, it is on solid ground now. And Luke is just like, I don't believe it. And 
that is why you fail, you know, which is always the sort of like a little like, you know, I know, I know you can't believe it because that's why you didn't do this. This is why I had to do it. Um, but it is, it's just a great moment, obviously. And, and, you know, obviously one of the most memorable moments from the empire strikes back. But, uh, I, I love this. It's a great scene because it gives a spiritual teaching and then it, shows that in action so um and that's why it's it's on my list yeah i'm so glad you had that because it's not on mine um kidding reserving comment <laughs> okay i was like wait a second <laughs> just like, joking I, I wish you guys could have seen the like <laughs> plex surprise on my face when carl said that um i'm glad that because- i sold that to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> You just threw it out there so quick. I didn't have time to like process it. And I was like, I'm sorry. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do what? Do it. What? What? Uh, what? All right. Anyways, anyway. go ahead. Um, that's, that's my number four. <laughs> What's yours? Yeah. Uh, well, my number four is uh, we're going to head to Octo Island and The Last Jedi. And it's Luke's first lesson to Rey. Um, it's so good. It. it a lot of the core of this lesson reminds me of many of the lessons Yoda taught Luke in Empire Strikes Back, which is simply to trust the Force, to believe in your connection to it, and by that connection, be able to influence it. Um, and what Luke is ultimately teaching Ray in this moment is simply how to connect to it. Uh, and And because of that connection, she becomes deeply aware of how connected she is to the force and it immediately makes her want to go deeper um, and explore the parts of it that Luke doesn't think she should explore the dark parts of it. Um, But Mm -hmm. Ray is all in. She loves this ability to connect to that. Um, And, you know, I also, I appreciate this as well because, um, you know, the, the force his, and this, I know this is an episode you and I want to do. We might even have Caroline back because she has mentioned her interest in talking about this. But kind of this idea of the force itself and, and, and its own theology, if you will. Mm-hmm. The force is briefly introduced in A New Hope. And then it gets really, you know, fleshed out a bit more in Empire Strikes Back. And now I would argue Ryan Johnson has done more for the mythology of the force than anyone since Irvin Kirshner. Um, and, and it's specifically in Last Jedi and in this moment where he kind of reminds us that the force is this cosmic energy that holds balance in the entire galaxy. It's what holds the galaxy together. Um, and because of that, it exists regardless of the Jedi. And that's what Luke is trying to impart to to Rey in this moment is, is you know, to say that if the Jedi die, the, the light dies is vanity. Can you feel that? Um, and right. So like, again, that's Luke teaching out of his own shame and guilt for what happened to obviously Ben Solo. Um, but Luke is in this moment, he's trying to argue to Ray that the, the force exists beyond Jedi. It doesn't need Jedi to exist. And while that is true, my counter to Luke would come from, of course, that great episode in season five of Clone Wars, The Gathering, where Yoda says, and I know I said this last week, but Yoda says that the force made visible a Jedi is. So, yes, does the force exist without Jedi? Absolutely. Does the force need Jedi? 
No, certainly not. But are they are they wildly important to the existence of the force? Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, and and this is the argument I make with with, uh, you know, getting a little off topic here. But this is the argument I make with the whole spiritual, not religious argument is, is does spirituality and, and connections to the, the divine exist without religion? Absolutely. A thousand percent correct. But is religion needed? Hell yes. <laughs> um, it helps shape that which is unknowable. Um, is it is it perfect? No, of course not. But is it important? Yes. Um, and that's what like I would argue is is the case here for Luke that he didn't seem to learn that. Yes, the Jedi aren't absolutely necessary for the Force because again, the Force exists without them. But the Jedi help make it known. They help make it known to the galaxy. They help understand its will and its flow. So, yeah, Jedi are pretty damn important. <laughs> um, they are the guardians of peace, justice, and the Force in a way. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just I really appreciate this moment and and kind of what it teaches us spiritually is that at the core of any sort of spiritual path you need to experience what I would call the beyond, right? In Star Wars language, that's the force. In more human, you know, human traditions, that would be God or the divine, whatever you want to call that. Um, but that's what Luke invites Ray into in this simple moment is just this pure connection to the force. And, and I love it when he says, and inside you, and she says, inside me, that same force and the little grin she has, right? As she lights up, as she realizes the very force that holds the galaxy in balance also exists in her. Um, it's just this beautiful moment. And that's, and that's the truth of spirituality, the, the divine spark, if you will, it exists in every living being. Um, and, and, and Ray learns the beauty of that in this little experience. Yeah, no, it's a great scene. It's a fantastic scene. Um, not on my list, but it's a good lesson. It's a yeah. very good lesson. Um, are the Jedi necessary? No, but they certainly help. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, is it number three? Is that where number we're at? Number three, yes, sir. All right. Um, this is the one thing where I sort of combine two scenes but it's because the the effect of them is the same essentially uh and it is you mentioned it earlier it's obi-wan's sacrifice in a new hope mm. and luke's sacrifice in the last jedi nice. um you know they, they are both accomplishing the same goal the, it is both the outworking of the same kind of thing it is uh the um this complete surrender and sacrifice to the force for the safety and protection of others um, and, uh, with Obi-Wan, that is obviously to, to safeguard and keep Luke, um, safe and able to escape the, uh, the Death Star to find his destiny for Luke. It is to safeguard his sister and the resistance so that they can survive crate and continue to build and, you know, continue the good fight against the first order. Um, and, and Ray, um, as well. So and they they both go into the situations knowing full well what they're doing and what's going to happen. Um Obi-Wan, you can tell Obi-Wan is hoping it doesn't come to it, but believes that he's not going to leave the Death Star when he says goodbye to Luke um there in the control center right after they, you know, they blast their way in. Um you know, your path longs, 
goes, runs along a different. Your path goes beyond a different path, or your your yeah, something like your path goes on a different path destiny, than mine. Your destiny goes along a different path than mine. Yes. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> God, I was like, it just like blanked out there for a second. <laughs> your destiny lies along a different path than mine. You know, he he says that as he leaves, and so and then may the force be with you. And so he he I think he believes at that moment he's going to try to avoid it, but he believes death is is waiting for him. Um, and he's okay with that. With Luke, he is projecting himself completely across the galaxy uh, in a in a way that will use him up. Um, he, he's using up his entire life force to do this, uh, and he knows it. You know, he knows it going in, um, and he continues to hold on and hold out as long as he possibly can. Um, to, to safeguard Ray and Leia and the resistance. Um, so, and, and neither of them would do that sort of thing if they didn't believe that they would pass on into the force. If that they, you know, that it was the, an outworking of their belief of, you know, this self-sacrifice to help others, you know? Um, so that is, a huge, huge spiritual, not necessarily lesson, but huge spiritual belief and conviction that um, directly affects the choices that they make and uh, the the outcomes that befall them. So that is that is why it is on my list and is number three. So yeah, I love. I mean, and I love that you connected it to to Luke's uh, sacrifice in Last Jedi. Because you're right, they're they're the spirit of these things are the same, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the intricacies of how they work out are certainly a little different, um, but the, but the spiritual core is the same, which is ultimately this trust that you're making the ultimate sacrifice for for the greater good, for something to exist beyond you, and with the belief that you can exist beyond this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So yeah, beautiful. I love it. Yeah, you are making the ultimate sacrifice uh, for others outside yourself, and will be rewarded for that in the afterlife. Essentially, is the the nuts and bolts of that. So, and they are, you know, they exist in the force um, after this. So, yeah, it's a great, it's a great scene. Yeah, scenes. Yeah. Um, well, I know that's that connects to the line "Witch in the Wardrobe," you know, by C.S. Lewis, with the first Chronicles of Narnia book, which is when they go to kill a- Aslan. Is the line right? Who's, Aslan, yeah, yeah, Aslan, who's essentially you know the, just a version of of Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. I I love it when he comes riding back and the children are riding him, and he says, "The type of love I offer up is a love that cannot be quenched by death." I don't, I don't think that's the quote verbatim, but something along those lines, right? That. That yeah. love of that of that capacity cannot be destroyed. So yeah, can't, um, even death can't hold it back. Yeah. So yeah, love it. Good stuff. All right, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is is an interesting one, and I'm quite. I'm, I, it's weird to me that this is my number three, only because it's like, wow, I love Star Wars and spirituality, and this is my number three. But whatever, I'm, I'm standing by it. Um, and it, I, it's it's Qui Gon's be- battle meditation in Phantom Menace. And I just think that this is something that's, you know, it's easy to overlook because it's so simple and, and, and short. 
But right, Qui-Gon's in the midst of this heated duel with Darth Maul. They get separated by the laser walls, and Qui-Gon's immediate response is to drop to his knees and go into this meditative stance, to go into this place of meditation. It's like, what? (laughs) Are are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, you're fighting literally for your life right now against a demon foe, and you're going to take this quick pause to pray? (laughs) WTF. (laughs) You know, like... Um, and this is, but this is like, these are my Qui-Gon vibes. This is why Qui-Gon to me is like, you know, Jedi Supreme, mm-hmm. uh, right? The, the entire movie, he's been talking about the living force and his, his att- being attuned to the living force himself. And here we see that quite literally in practice in the midst of this literal battle. He just takes this quick moment of pause that's awarded to him, if you will, like to him, he probably sees this little moment as a blessing, um, rather than continuing the fight, I'm just going to calm myself, be passive, <laughs> and let the force flow over me, flow through me. Um, and, you know, he, it's it's just so wonderful because it it's this really broad message that when you have this type of connection to the force, it's not like you need to be in a meditation hall to tap into it. You don't need to be at the Jedi temple or on a sacred Jedi planet. You can be literally anywhere, even in the midst of a battle, take a few deep breaths and reconnect with that, that essence of your core, which for Qui-Gon of course is the force. And again, like in our own, you know, in a Christian connotation, it's very similar to the practice of centering prayer. Centering prayer is just repeating this word or phrase over and over again as you breathe in and out, and it helps you just to connect more deeply to the divine. It allows the the worries and the struggles of your life to flow out of you just so you can connect to your source. And to me, that's what Qui-Gon's doing in this moment. He's tapping into that living force. Now, I know like you could easily argue, be like, well, he was wrong. I mean, he still lost the battle. Sure, he lost the battle, but I think we all know what happens to Qui-Gon. Uh, he's the first person into immortal life. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he won the war. He won so. the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I just, I love this this reality that that of Qui-Gon just kind of practicing what he preaches, right? Mm-hmm. Any chance he can get, he'll drop to those knees and um, allow himself to be centered again in the Force. Um, and I think part of it, and this is, uh, this is kind of an intricacy that uh, I've tried to articulate to people as adults, because I think children and the way children are raised to think about prayer is that it's somehow this magic, you know, pray for so-and-so that they get better, pray for so-and-so that they do well on this particular task. That's this connotation that prayer is magic. Prayer is actually about accepting what life offers to us and realizing that it'll never get the best of us. Um, So in a weird way, even though Qui-Gon comes out of that little moment and is killed in a physical sense, um, there's also this acceptance that whatever is going to happen to him in this fight, he's accepted it and accepts that it won't be the end of him. Again, so somewhat similar to, you know, Obi-Wan on the Death Star, Luke on um, on Crate. You know, there's this deep conviction that no matter what happens, their story will continue. So for Qui-Gon just to take that moment, no matter what happens, as soon as those doors open again, he's entrusted himself to the will of the force. Um, And I love that. I think it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, he takes a moment to reconnect to what gives him his power, you know. Yeah. What what gives him the ability to continue the fight. So, um, 
yeah, he's he's a ah, it's great. That's a fantastic moment. I'm so glad it's here because that's just I didn't even think about that. Right. And that's awesome. So yeah, thank you for bringing that in because I love that. I'm gonna have to think a little bit more on that one. Um, but yeah, that's fantastic. It's fantastic. Oh, we're down to two more, Carl. Down to two more, Jason. All right. Well, my number two um, is my favorite moment from The Rise of Skywalker, and this is Be With Me. Um, it is it, – it's kind of similar, I guess, to to Qui-Gon here. Um, Rey has been sort of reaching out to not just the Force, but the Jedi who came before her. So she's reaching kind of further, if you will. She's been doing that the whole movie. She's been trying to connect – trying to to you know gain knowledge or insight or, or something to to overcome the the mountainous task of of defeating kylo ren in the first order and now she is there dying uh having faced the reborn palpatine um and the the galaxy is about to fall out of the sky at the feet of the sith master you know and she just, in a moment of desperation, reaches out again, be with me. And there's a response. And those from beyond, those who have passed, those who she's been seeking, reach back out to her and to help bring her, bring, provide her the motivation, the, the strength, the insight to rise back up and to ultimately defeat Palpatine. Um, and I love, I love this moment. It is just, you know, it's such a, such a good moment because it does sort of bring that whole idea of the consciousness after death, hmm. uh, right, you know, right back, uh, into, into the experience there. Um, and the fact that the living can still, interact with that in a way that's not just oh hey can i get some info no it's like i need to draw on your strength i need to draw on your uh your power your your wisdom here in a very real physical sense and the those from beyond offer that and give that um is is just fantastic so yeah, well, you know that's interesting because it's uh, it's my number two as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love this moment. So uh, you know what? Let's take a quick pause. Okay. Be with me. These are your final steps, Ray. Rise and take them, Ray. Bring back the balance ray, as I did. In the night, find the light ray. You're not alone, Ray. Alone? Never have you been. Every Jedi who ever lived, lives in you. The Force surrounds you, Ray. Let it guide you. It guided us. Feel the Force flowing through you, Ray. Let it lift you. Rise, Ray. We stand behind you, Ray. Ray? Rise in the Force. In the heart of a Jedi lies her strength. Ray, the Force will be with you always. 
I like that we both enjoy this moment so much, Jason. Yes, it's it's fantastic. Like I said, it's my favorite moment from the Rise of Skywalker. Same here. So yeah, yeah. and and again, you know, I just just to be completely upfront, I obviously understand it. There's folks that this movie just doesn't work for them, and that's totally fair. And this movie has its has its shortcomings for sure, but I think this is one of the strongest moments of the movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, a, a, I think it was a just over, well, just under a year ago. Uh, I had a friend on the show, just uh, my friend Lori, who um, has her her master's in um, religious studies, but focused in um, f- feminist theology and and heroine's journey stuff is is what she did. And she came on to talk about episode nine and to talk about the culmination of Ray's journey. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from her being on the show that day. And I, I'm sure there are people out there that would disagree with uh, you know, some of the things she had to say, and that's, that's totally fine. But she talked about how this is the moment where Ray meets the mother, right? The, 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 the kind of an, an integral part of the heroine's journey is this connection with the mother, this divine mother. And interestingly enough, yes, like the voices she hears, there are some men, there are some women as well. Um, but it's, you know, whether it works for you or not, obviously it works for us, Jason. Um, mm-hmm. This moment is its just this ultimate payoff of of Ray's faithfulness to her journey. Um, and it's Ray connecting to the cosmic force. And the cosmic force seems to be incarnate in a way through the voice of the Jedi who have gone before. Um, again, further proof that eternal life exists, right? Further proof that the path of the Jedi leads to something profound and wonderful. Um, and I've always, I mean, I've always loved this moment since the first time I saw the movie because for Ray, in, in my, my opinion, this is a moment where her desire and need to be seen by the legacy she hopes to embody is rewarded, right? I think so much of journey of, of Ray's journey in episode nine, um, you know, being trained by Leia, you know, her first moment of, of doing the be with me prayer, if you will, and, and, and not getting a response. She understands she's the future of the Jedi. She understands the weight and responsibility of that. And for whatever reason, she wants to be affirmed by that, by the force itself. Um, and as someone who has spent a lot of my life asking big vocational questions around my religious spiritual path, that that desire and need for almost divine uh, acceptance is pretty profound. And I think that's what Ray experiences at the end of episode nine is she gets this divine answer this divine answer of we are with you alone never have you been every jedi who's ever lived lives in you now right um it's it's this it's it's ray's ultimate faith payoff if you will right mm-hmm. um in episode four obi-wan trusts that there's something beyond death he's rewarded luke believes the same thing in episode eight he's rewarded um this is kind of the boon of ray's journey to use Campbellian terms the legacy of the Jedi will be carried on by her and they see and recognize that she is in fact the one to do that, that she is up to the task and she has this profoundly 
intimate moment with the cosmic force, if you will. And again, this is my interpretation. I get it if you don't see it this way, and that's totally fair. But the way I see it and the reason I love it as much as I do is because Rey has this profound connection to the force itself. Um, The Jedi, to me, are simply vessels of the voice of the cosmic force, and they are seen and recognizing and honoring all that Ray has done and been through and, and recognizing, yes, you are indeed the one to carry on and continue the legacy of the Jedi, the force made visible. So mm-hmm. love this moment. It's such a good, moment. such a good moment. Well, we are down to our number ones and I am, mine is predictable as heck. Um, no idea what yours is. Oh wait. Yes, I do. Because I asked you beforehand if something was on your list and you said yes, and you haven't said it. So (laughs) (laughs) by process of elimination, like any good SAT question, I know what your number one is. (laughs) Well, do you want to, do you want to tell everybody what my number one is? Jason, I think you would like to be a blinded monk who trusts in the force and walks to any master switch, no matter how many death troopers are shooting at you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh Chirrut and the Master Switch. This is my favorite, favorite spiritual moment. And when Carl brought up the idea of this topic, this was the first the first scene that popped into my head. As soon as he mentioned it, this was the first image in my head is is Chirrut walking out across the, the beach to the master switch you know obviously you could pick any number of scenes with chirrut from rogue one uh because he he you know walks out a religious practice you know the entire movie um he he's a a devoted monk to his order he believes in the force even though he can he can't really touch it um he knows it's there um, he's he can't access it like a Jedi can, but he knows it's there and he believes it has a will and it will work through him. And so he opens himself up to it many, many times with his, you know, I'm one with the force and the force is with me. I am one with the force and the force is with me. And in this most dire of moments, people are dying all around him. They are pinned down. They have to get this master switch activated or everything stops here he rises up takes a moment you know to to center himself gripping his staff which has a kyber crystal in the head Mm. of it um for those of you who don't know um and just quoting his mantra I am one with the force and the force is with me walks out across the sands to the master switch in a very, you know, slow, uh, steady movement and achieves the goal. And he's almost surprised when he reaches there. Not only is he, you know, focused so much to, like, block out the explosions and the lasers flying by, but he also has to block out his friend, his mm-hmm. best friend in the world, Baze, who is telling him to come back, um... Because Baze has his best interest in heart, but he doesn't have what Chirrut needs at that moment, you know. And Chirrut has to tune all of that out, focus all of that out, and march out to the Master Switch. I think he knows he's going to die, um, which is part of why when he activates the switch and turns back to Baze, he has that smile like, I did it. This is my life's work. This is where – uh 
this is the fulfillment of my walk. You know, a journey of the wills ends here. Um, and it does, you know, obviously he gets blown up and, uh, dies in Baze's arms. Um, but it was the, the culmination of a life devoted to a faith devoted to a source that he could never fully touch, never fully realize, which is why I find Chirrut's faith more impactful and more impressive than any of the Jedi's faith. Um, because they can access the force. They can use the force. They can feel it directly moving and flowing through them and access it and, and harness it in ways that make them able to do special abilities or, or, you know, mind tricks or whatever. But Chirrut can't do any of that. And he just has to trust that it'll work through him. And which is why I find, like I said, I find his face to be the most impressive out of any character that we've had in any of the films. So. That's why it's my number one. I love that it's your number one. And you know, when I was putting my list together, I was like, "Carl, you got to put something from Chirrut here." You know, he's he is a whole new entry into the spirituality of Star Wars, um, and in, in a beautiful one at that. For all the things you just said, right? He's not a Jedi, um, and that's part of what makes who he is extra special. Uh, the only reason I didn't put him on the list is because I knew you would, I could count on you to do that. Um, you know, and I mean, my very first honorable mention I mentioned, you know, with Obi-Wan on the death star, you know, he kind of, he entrusts himself to the force. He just kind of allows himself to be enfolded by it. And that's exactly what Chirrut's doing is, and, and I think this is a great question to just ponder and I don't, I don't have a hard answer for it, but I think it's a great question to ponder and, and maybe to come back to as Star Wars fans is, is there really a difference between what Obi-Wan did on the Death Star and what Chirrut did in Scarif? I don't know. Is there? They, they ultimately accomplished the same thing. They entrusted themselves to the exact same thing and came out on top. You know, they both lost their physical lives, but does that mean they lost? No. So is there really a difference? You know, I mean, again, I just I offer that up as a question to ponder, Um, you know, in your little Star Wars devotional book. I should write one of those, by the way. Um, (laughs) But I also just want to, like, highlight again, you know, what you mentioned that, like, uh, the entire story, the entire Rogue One story with Chirrut, he has this mantra that he lives by. I'm one with the force. The force is with me, which ever since Rogue One came out, it's been cool how they've sprinkled that into other Star Wars things. You know, we've seen it in the High Republic. We saw it on screen in in the Clone Wars, you know, with the final season of the Clone Wars where Ahsoka says it. So it's so cool to see them honoring that mantra as if it's always existed in the in even the halls of the Jedi. But how similar is that, Jason, to our previous moment we talked about? Be with me. That's a mantra. I am one with the force, the forces with me. That's a mantra. Again, kind of like I mentioned earlier, there are these forms of centering prayer. It's these ways of reminding yourself, connecting yourself to something bigger, to something, the source of life itself, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I don't have much more to add because you, you just said so many wonderful things. But, yeah, that's the thing that makes Chirrut great is he is a person of deep faith and and believes that that faith will propel him always in the right motion. Um, and you know, he doesn't need to be a Jedi. Uh, yeah, I I love what he says earlier in the movie when he says, uh, you know, 
I fear nothing for all is, as the force wills it. You know, he is, um, to use Buddhist language, he's a, in a sense, he's a bodhisattva. He is the one who, who, who refuses eternal life in order to stick around and constantly teach us the way to eternal life. Um, you know, so in an Eastern, in an Eastern sense, he's, that's exactly what he is in a, in a Western tradition. He's a saint, right? He shows us that you don't have to be divine in and of yourself, like a Jedi is, or like, you know, Jesus was in order to tap into the source of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, Chirrut is someone whose faith envelopes him at all times, you know, and, and also, you know, <laughs> when he, when he takes out all those stormtroopers and then Baze shows up and shoots down the rest and, uh, you know, the force did protect me. I protected you. I think in Chirrut's eyes, that's the one and the same, you know? Yes, the, the, absolutely. How was the force incarnate in Chirrut's life? Well, in part, it's his friendship with Baze. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, the force shows up through his best friend. So Yeah. Uh, I love that you're that. That's where you're you're ending it for for yourself. That cheer is yeah. just wonderful. He he really is. He really is. He's my favorite. He's my favorite uh, from Rogue One, and it's my favorite spiritual moment in Star Wars right now. But Carl, yeah, tell us, tell us what yours is. <laughs> well, I think you know. Um, I also just want a real quick side note. I, I love how you reminded us that the in Chirrut's um, staff, at the head of the staff, is a kyber crystal. I love yeah. I love my Black Series 6-inch Chirrut, but I'm super annoyed at Amos, my young cat, because she has lost – she lost it a long time ago. She managed to pick Chirrut's staff out of his hand when I had him on display and lost it. So I, I, I have a Chirrut, but no staff. I'm, I'm still sad about it. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn it, Amos. <laughs> If anybody um, has extra staff. Yeah, for whatever cards. reason, if you have an extra staff, <laughs> please send it yeah. to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yes, uh, so my my number one spiritual moment in Star Wars is, of course, that moment on Dagobah with Yoda, uh, the the raising of the X-Wing and everything is surrounding that. So I, I just kind of lump that little scene all together. And to, to for me, it starts with, you know, Luke, you know, stomping off into the water. Ah, we'll never get it out now. So certain are you. Um, you must unlearn what you have learned, right? I want to start there. The key to all spiritual journeys is the ability to let go, to let go of old ways of believing and old ways of doing things in order to grow. Um, and that's not just in spiritual life. That's in all forms of life, political life, social life, right? Things serve us to a point until they don't anymore. Then it's time to learn something new. And there are two religious teachers that had teachings directly about this. One was Jesus <laughs> said, you don't put old wine and new wine skins because they'll burst, right? You got to learn new things sometimes. And one of my favorite parables from the Buddha is when you are on your journey and you come to a river, you build a raft to cross the river, but you don't carry the raft over land again. It's served its purpose. Let go, right? And and so that's the first entry for Yoda's trying to teach Luke on this spiritual path of his is, you know, you've you're you're thinking with the mind of a of a mere human, but the force allows the impossible to be possible. So unlearn that bull crap because it's not going to serve you anymore. You can accomplish so much more. Let go. Unlearn it. And then Luke can't unlearn it, at least not in this moment, and complains. You want the impossible. And Yoda then just describes where the source of his power comes from. 
It's not because he's a great warrior. It's not because he can kick butt with a lightsaber. His ally is the force and a powerful ally. It is right. It's, it's the power of life itself. Um, interestingly enough, twisted enough as Palpatine says that himself in episode nine. Um, but he used Yoda is proving to Luke that the power he wields, regardless of his size, regardless of who we are in life, our power comes from the ability to tap into that which is beyond us um, and, and the belief in ourself to tap into that. Uh, I used to use this scene to teach one of the stories when I was when I taught freshmen old the Old Testament to freshmen and freshman students in high school, uh, teaching the story of King David. King David, this little unlikely hero who, you know, we all know the story of David and Goliath. Where does David's power come from? Well, it's not really that he's a super badass warrior. It's because he trusts in, he trusts in, you know, the divine. That's where his power comes from. And and the same is to be said for Yoda. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, he trusts in his ability to connect to that. And I think this to me is the deepest spiritual teaching and lesson from star Wars is that we actualize our deepest, truest potential when we trust in that, which lies beyond our limitations In the language of star Wars, that's a trust in the force in my own life. That's in the divine. Um, right. So that's the, the lesson Yoda imparts is throughout life. We're going to have to let go of our old ways that limit us so that we can continually open up and blossom, you know, to use, the, the image of the lotus flower like they do in Buddhism is to continue to blossom into our fullest, truest potential on our, on, in our life's journey. We let go of the old and trust that the divine is working out something new. And, and Yoda shows that. Yoda shows that by raising the X-Wing. He doesn't need to raise the X-Wing, but he's showing Luke what is actually possible. Um, mm. And, you know, I mean, again, like I said, it's the most powerful spiritual teaching for me in all of star Wars. Yeah. Well, it's a very important one. Um, and you know, being able to be willing to learn to become something new, not, not only are you learning something new, uh, for the sake of, of growing and learning, but in many cases, in many religions, um, you are learning something new to become something new, you know, that in our personal uh, tradition, Christianity, Carl, mm-hmm. you know, you become a new man when you are born again, you know, that, that is, you know, part of joining up essentially. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's a great thing. And, and, you know, then you have to continue to relearn and renew your mind and to, to learn new things and to let go of, you know, the things that, held you back uh that hold you back from from pursuing and growing in whatever tradition that is with the force here with you know your walk with whatever um you know belief you follow uh yeah it's a it's a great scene it's a great lesson and uh see i i knew you were lying to me carl when you said that this wasn't (laughs) wasn't on your list uh, <laughs> no, um, and yeah, and it's it's not a surprise, not a surprise that uh, that you've got this on your list. I I said um, you know my piece about it earlier, but I like the the different angle you took um, with this scene uh, than I did. So, and that's why 
That's why it's great when we can have the same scenes on our list, Carl, because we still come at it from different angles. Yep. So, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, you know, like as always, whenever we do a top five, we'd love to know some of your favorite spiritual moments from Star Wars, um, and even why they're important to you. If if you if you feel like delving into that. Um, you know, you can just send us any of that on our social media. Whenever we post these on social media, just comment on it. Tell us some of your favorite spiritual moments, especially if they're ones we didn't mention. I always love to hear things that connect for people that just haven't, you know, have passed over my mind. I love to, I love to know those things. So as always, we encourage you to, to share some of your own. Absolutely. Um, and normally, traditionally, Jason, that would have just been our poll is to ask you, what's your favorite spiritual moment? But because we are celebrating Christmas in the stars next week, because next week when we record, Jason will only be a few days out from Christmas, which is just wild. Um, wow. We love celebrating Star Wars and Christmas together. So next week, we're going to be just talking some of our own Star Wars Christmas memories like we do every year. Um, probably some new stories, some new angles. Uh, we'll do a little bit of Book of Boba Fett predictions because that'll only be a week out at that point. Um, but, you know, like any we'll, of this. We'll hmm. get a new trailer by then so that we can talk some more about it, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, who knows? I mean, they're giving us new, like, commercial shorts every day. So we may not sure. get a full trailer, but we're getting 30-second clips, it feels like, every day. I need to look at those again. Yeah. Um, they're very similar, but there's always something new in each of them. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but because of that, we, again, we love to be able to celebrate these sorts of things with all of you. So we, what we'd like to do for next week is encourage you to send in a Christmas memory about star Wars that you have. You can send it to us in a written form. If you want to sh record a short, just like audio telling, we ask that you keep it to a minute or less. Um, and we'll play it on the show next week. You know, we just, I love hearing people's stories about Christmas and star Wars. So whatever those stories might be, please send one our way for next week's episodes so that you can, uh, join in the fun and the stars with us. Exactly. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely be sure to remind everybody about that on our social media, um, through the, the next week or so, so that we can, uh, Make sure everybody knows because I know not everybody listens to the episodes right away. So right. Uh, we'll we'll try and get that out so that everybody can participate because we want we want some of your your involvement in this. It's Christmas, so we want to gather everyone around the uh, the, the the tree um, or inside <laughs> the tree, as the case may be, the tree house, the Ewok village, or the you know the Kish, big worship tree on Kashyyyk as we celebrate Christmas around the fire in the stars. You know. Um, so, yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to make you part of our celebration, um, as always. So please send those in. I'm very, I always like hearing people's stories, um, because it's, you know, different than what I have. And it's always fun to see what makes people happy and what, uh, you know, people remember from a very magical time of year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, but Carl. If people want to weigh in on anything, uh, you know, where can people get in contact with us? Uh, well, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Follow us on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. And uh, you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. And like I said at the top of the show, we've got a Book of Boba Fett giveaway coming up on our social media this week. So if you're not on our social media, check it out and uh, enter for a chance to win. 
win a bounty of Boba Fett or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Anything else, Carl, before we close down this very Zen episode? <laughs> I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number 448, Top 5 Spiritual Moments. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair. Wampa's Lair.